that introduction and for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here. I haven't um, been here not for some time. Um, as uh, my book has a lot of themes and it's uh, somewhat dense, um, I'm going to be skipping the part where I talk about European public service broadcasting and regulation and Ofcom, etc. I've been told that um, uh, everyone is somewhat familiar with that part. I'll be focusing more then on my, um, uh, although I discuss this in the book, that's why it's included. And I'll just focus on particular points which is relevant for our discussion. So um, don't mind there if I skip through some things. Basically, in order for you to understand what my research now is about, um, these, basically, as you see there, the points I'm going to be looking at, I need to give you first a slight overview of what the Brazilian media is and the whole process of political democratization in the last decades in the country, and somewhat also in other uh, Latin American nations as well. This is very much part of my last research of journalism and political democracy in Brazil. And this also will make you understand why I'm looking at public media um, in this particular book. Okay, so um, the Brazilian media during the dictatorship in 1964 uh, until 1984, 1985, when it was ending with the Jeta Ja, um, according, there were two very strong theories in regards to how the media, uh, 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 the relationship of the media with the state. First, it was that, um, according to many uh, left-wing uh, uh, academics in Brazil, this was a time of enlightened debate where um, all the newspapers were engaging in militant journalism and uh, uh, were against censorship. Okay, so this was very much the argument that prevailed at the time. And then the Brazilian media after the 90s basically was seen by this uh, strand of thinking very much in black and white terms that basically the journalism of the 90s was a contrast to this, was a market-driven journalism. It was filled of uh, 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 the blurring of the boundaries between newsrooms and commercial departments had produced a type of journalism where the decline of militant journalism mainly had disappeared. And partisanship in the good sense, right, we're going to be talking about partisanship now in my, in, in my future research, had also declined. So there was a, a vision that um, basically, journalism had become too pragmatic and no one was really interested. Journalism was not doing its role to promote democracy, right? And what my book showed by basically looking at um, uh, the main print uh, uh, newspapers in Brazil, Estado, Folha, um, Jornal do Brasil, and uh, Veja, Istuer, that actually this was not exactly so. And I looked at presidential and political campaigns from the Gireta Ja of Folha, in, and I also discussed Istuer in, um, in 1985, until the first election of Lula in 2002. And the campaigns included also the impeachment of Gore, um, it included the 1989 first presidential election between Lula and Gola. It included um, Lula and Fernando Hickey in 1994 and f finishing with the election of Lula. And what you see is basically the expansion of objectivity and journalism in newsrooms. If you look at the newspaper, um, the campaign of Lula and Fernando Hickey in 1994, in Global, for instance, very different of how it was um, the Girata Ja and political democratization was portrayed in Global in 1984. Basically, left-wing 
politicians were excluded, there was no space for uh, civil society players, it was totally uh, 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 newspapers that were very biased towards business leads, towards those in power. So you had basically instances of militant journalism during that period. The, the fact of the matter is the media was censored, right? So during this period of my uh, last book, which looked at these two, three decades, you see various improvements in the media, right? So you see basically the media being uh, somewhat schizophrenic because it is, it was and is still influenced by infotainment techniques. It's influenced by all these international trends of expanding media commercialization of uh, 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 more celebrity driven stories, a more tabloid aspect to it, and this is even debated now in Brazil between in politics and serious journalists. So why should I have to cover all the time Jazeny Bunshin and this and that, that? So it was, yes, very much influenced by that old tabloidization or dumping down, as people say here. But this doesn't mean that basically what we see in this period, and Wasteford also has talked about it in the previous book about South, uh, South American journalism. You have very much the rise of investigative journalism. You have the rise of the, uh, of the media as a fourth estate. Basically the media acquiring a voice, acquiring a voice to criticize politicians, right? And this was very predominant in the impeachment of Gawler, where the media emerged with strength and actually forced him out, right? And you have what basically some would say in Brazil, um, uh, uh, Luis Nassif and others criticizing that not only did we have an expansion of investigative journalism and reporting, but we had a bad investigative reporting. We had the denunciation journalism. What is this? Basically, the media in order to, okay, now we are free, right? Now we're acquiring power. The market forces have given us some power to criticize politicians. What happened? In order to feed a multiple public interested in what's going on in the country, the fact that they can't anymore, both Foreign and Global, as I discussed in my last uh, 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 book, had to restructure their, 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 their media organizations. They could not be as conservative as before, although Foreign was, to a certain extent, not that conservative as Global was. That is discussed in my book as well. So basically, you have a denunciational journalism in the sense so that. You'll just have to translate that. Not yeah, denunciation, sorry, yes, of course. It's denunciation journalism. Basically, um, very much what people here discuss also, and I've talked about. It at the LSE, um, John Thompson talks about it. Political scandals, right? So the media feeding to this political scandals. So this was the downside of investigative journalism. So we see that basically this period in the last two or three decades is very complex, right? And what is my current book now looking at? Basically at broadcasting. So one of the things that emerged in my former research was pressures, basically, journalists that I interviewed, etc., about expanding media democratization in the country. This was being discussed already, and with the Brazilian uh, 1988 constitution, there were things already stipulated in regards to dividing the media into private, public, etc., educational and cultural programming, and all. So, what happened, just before I go into the public media, just to give a quick overview, in contrary to the UK and Europe, Latin American broadcasting and Brazilian television very much has been heavily entertainment driven. 
because he had this authoritarian legacy, which I've just described very briefly to you, of Brazilian society, where politics was marginalized from the mainstream. It was only these few newspapers that I've just mentioned that were actually discussing politics and these political campaigns more seriously, right? Even Lula himself has already said, you know, if it was not for the press, I would not have been here, etc. So there is an acknowledgement that the press did have a role in including, through professionalism and objectivity, including these wider players in debate, right? So this is why it's important today to look at professionalism and objectivity in a mature way, because the mainstream media, if you, if you, if you leave it to be um, biased, you're basically going to watch just a right-wing stance. And what happened here with television? Television was considered as having been slower in this sense. Okay, so this is where my new research comes into. And I have looked at TV Global, TV Cultura, and TV Brasil. And I'll discuss that a bit more, so just let me just um, talk about the lines of inquiry here. So, as I said before, um, one of the pressures in regards to media democratization in Brazil and throughout Latin America, very much linked to the expansion of political uh, 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 democracy in the whole region, has been media reform and has been also constructing, sorry, constructing a public media that can attend to the public interest. Because what did you have also? In television and all these radio stations, you have, and you still have today, these very much directed to uh, the interests of certain politicians. So what, how did I look at this debate and this research? So I started by looking at public media in a comparative perspective, by looking at the um, historical evolution of the public broadcasting tradition in the UK and Europe. How very much here in Europe, Europe it has been built as a whole communication welfare in order to attend to the interests of citizens. And this has been very important because in contrast to Latin America and the US, you have here a strong public media that has given political information quality drama debate to a wide audience, independently of its socioeconomic status, right? Or, 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 or. And this has been fundamental because research has shown that uh, many Europeans know more about current affairs, have more knowledge about the rest of the world than people that are fed with a lot of a heavy television tamed diet. So there is debate about um, this gets more complex. Um, hang on there if you want to criticize that because that's exactly what I do in the book. So basically then, the relationship between the public media and the state and the public interest. And this comes into the debate on quality because if we are worried about the media and its role in democratization, we're actually worried about issues of quality. That we think that good ideas, information, balanced information, uh, quality drama, quality programming actually contributes to democracy. And this is why, for instance, in spite of the crisis of civic forms of communications that is happening now in Europe and the whole debate on the BBC, which I can give just a whole discussion on that, but I won't go into it, is about preserving a quality media, right? And this is what Brazil and Latin America is looking at. How do we build a public media that has quality? Right, that can uh, be challenging and also entertaining. I'll go into that soon. Okay, so these are the parts of the book. So you'll see um, basically the, the, the whole debate on public communications, etc., journalism, entertainment. I go more into television and then end on looking at some of the aspects of the last lectures. Okay, as I don't have that much time, I'm going through here. So some of the methodological issues. Basically, um, I looked, I did this research 
looking at various fronts. So not just by discussing the programs from TV Brasil, TV Cultura, and Contrast into the Globo, etc. I did interviews with journalists and policymakers. I conducted an online survey with students. Um, and I also did um, a, a, a lot of research into uh, archive and, and reports of Ofcom and um, other policymakers. Okay, so one of the things also, what I said before about the, the public media and the whole issue of quality. What we have today is that actually, if you look at it, the public and the private media are becoming more and more quite similar. You see, well, actually, people would say, especially here, what is the use of the BBC anymore? Because the BBC has the same type of programming that um, uh, uh, cable and satellite has. So this is very much a debate today, right? What, and what you see is actually that there's still subtle differences, that you have still um, uh, 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 important, and I'll talk a bit uh, more about that. But, and the other point here that I looked at was also not just uh, public um, uh, television broadcasting, but also the internet. And so there was some, uh, a case study of blogging in the 2010 elections and the whole discussion of uh, agenda politics, Dilma, and um, uh, also... Karen, so you're just going slightly too fast, just to clarify, for those who don't know the Brazil market way, Teva Brazil is a publicly run... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be talking about it more. As long as okay. you know, yeah. everybody will know the difference. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, I'm giving you first the overview of the things that I've discussed, and then we start looking more and more into detail. Okay, so the survey that I conducted, conducted TV Global, as I said before, is the commercial broadcasting um, uh, television, one of the biggest television networks in the, in the whole world. And basically, uh, what the, the survey showed is somewhat what was expected, that most students watch TV Global and they watch cable and satellite TV. Okay, so this is very much what would be how the middle classes, and to a certain extent, the working classes wouldn't watch just cable and satellite, they would watch just TV Global mainly. Um, what you have here then, on the other hand, is a recognition and a growth of understanding of the debate in Brazil that um, public media has relevance, that people want a better public media, and they think that is important, that it should um, pose a way of correcting market failure and contribute to democratization. So that was one positive point that came across. And around 1 to 2% of uh, 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 students said that they do watch the programs from, and I'm going to already say that the public media there's not really public, it's state, but we'll go into that shortly. They watch TV Cultura, which is the one from Sao Paulo, and TV Brasil, which is um, the one from the federal government. Okay, and as I said before, um, one of the things that I looked, I looked at peak times um, of TV Global, which has four soap operas and one journalism program. And if you look at TV Brazil, you have journalism programs, you have history programs, you have all a lot of cultural things as well. So you see that there is a lot of difference in terms of the programming and peak time. Okay, so these are some of the theoretical aspects on uh, media democratization debates, how it, it is important, the relationship between media democracy and, um, and, 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 and politics. And basically, an important point to highlight is that um, very much what has emerged in this end of the redemocratization phase in Brazil is that the media has been sub has been very much biased, right? 
And the importance of professionalism and objectivity is exactly to create a more professional media, a more media uh, uh, directed to the public interest, and move less of some of the things that came up again in this last research, that you have still political constraints uh, uh, within the media, not, not just in journalism, but it is the main problem with the public media, for instance, in Brazil. The main problem with constructing a public media for the public interest is exactly the interest of small little oligarchic politicians that want to control a radio a, a, a channel um, that basically we have since the Sarney period, we have the, the uh, executive powers having the control of concession of TV and radio. So you have all these problems that make it difficult to follow what Norris has said, that basically uh, a, a, a free press and, and a media is very fundamental to democracy and to human development. Okay, so these are other things that I discuss in the book as well. I'm going to go over that quickly, especially how other uh, emerging democracies, such as in Eastern Europe as well, had difficulties implementing uh, public service broadcasting for, with some degree of independence, both from the state and from market competition, right? And this is the current challenge in Brazil and Latin America. Okay, and then I talk about um, comparative research, why it is important, etc., and looking at public service broadcasting in a comparative perspective, which is what I do in my book. I discuss a lot about European public service broadcasting, about the BBC, etc., which I won't come um, uh, into detail into that. But basically, that it gives a framework of how what you see now um, is you value, and this European Commission has already argued, um, that there is still, and also the, the audience, according to Ofcom, still recognizes the importance of, of public media in Europe and the BBC, see it as very important, has seen it as having a role in democratization of these societies. And in the sense, this is what Brazil is trying to achieve. Okay, so I'm going to jump all this part about, oh yeah, just quickly about Ofcom, which I discuss a lot. One of the debates now in Brazil is not just about the public media, but about media reform, about new forms of regulation in order to impede these things that I've just been talking about, right? In order to impede, for instance, one of the aims is to make um, TV and radio concessions more transparent, more directed to the public. This is widely debated in the Congress now. And another thing um, they're looking at, not just at the UK, but the Portuguese model as well, and Ofcom, for instance, here in, uh, in the UK, is quoted, for instance, as a reference of um, uh, institution that does not censor the media, but regulates the media for the public interest. And it actually talks a lot about that in its website as well, that it has a bias against intervention, right? So it's about ensuring high, high quality information, and it's about ensuring fair competition. Right. So this is a strong debate in Brazil now about regulation and censorship. Because as you've seen, what did I say in the beginning? The media was heavily censored throughout the dictatorship. So within this period where the market has gained wider force within what some would call the neoliberal period of Latin America and Brazil, we see um, a resistance towards forms of, of, of state uh, 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 intervention, if you wish, in, in public communications. And so the debate today amongst academics is to try to dissociate the equation of regulation of censorship, right? So here also I talk about um, uh, in, uh, in the book, just for those to give a wider overview of Brazilian uh, uh, newspapers within the Latin American system. 
Helene um, has talked about the similarities between Latin America and Southern Europe in terms of media systems. So we have here, for instance, the first point, the low circulation of newspapers. The newspapers that I said in the beginning, Estado, Globo, etc., these are directed to a small elite. It's not a mass uh, public as it is here in the UK, for instance. And this is very much a tradition also that comes from uh, Southern Europe. You have the tradition of adversary reporting, which I already mentioned to you, the whole militancy and also partisanship. And this is I discussed more in the last book. So militancy towards democracy can be seen as something positive, where partisanship you know, can be seen as something negative in the sense of you know, uh, politicians using the media for their own interests. And so you have the political use of media. And this is something very strong as well that has continued in spite of professionalization and objectivity. For instance, the PT and the Workers' Party say that the media is too biased and prof and on the hickey, etc., that now it's this. So there's this whole debate on the media trying to be objective and professionalism and be accused of being towards a particular party. And you have then the politicization of broadcasting and regulation. Just what I said now as well, the fact that um, broadcasting has been to serve um, uh, political interest, has been very politicized, and, that, uh, and the pressures now is for it to change, that this reality needs to change. Okay, so um, certain things here about uh, Latin American governments and media reform. So what we see is that basically throughout Latin America, and this I discuss more in detail in the book, um, um, giving more focus on Brazil, because I said in the beginning I need to select more things that I can discuss. What you have here is governments throughout the region trying to tackle media democratization in different ways. Trying to think of creation of regulatory frameworks and public systems, of, public systems of communication. Each one doing it differently. For instance, Argentina is being pointed out as an example by many experts, but it's also been quite controversial and criticized. And Franklin Martins, for instance, in Brazil has said, not necessarily are we gonna adopt exactly what they have done. You know, we're going to discuss um, uh, public communications and reform according to our reality. We're not going to do a copycat thing. But basically, uh, some of the things that um, the Krishna government has been doing is that it has been limiting the power of media conglomerates in the sense of uh, democratizing the market more. So the market, and it's, this is included in the Brazilian constitution, right? Cesar Bolano has said, if they just ratify the Brazilian constitution, we already have made an advancement because it's, it's considered that in the constitution that you can have a public media that is multiple and complex, private, public, civic society, etc. It's a bit what the Argentinian government has done. And also changes in terms of the renewal of license, quotas for production, etc. Okay, so as I said before, so what you have then in this politicization of broadcasting and regulation is that state intervention in South America, because of authoritarianism, has always had this aim of reinforcing governmental powers rather than promoting democratic communications. So this is where the fear of some sectors of the market and some other people are right now in terms of how can the state, you know, the state in Brazil is assuming a more social democratic function. Since Fernando Hickey and onwards, we've seen the state going towards that uh, a more social democratic and away from authoritarianism. But authoritarianism still exists and is still a reality. Okay, and as I said before, you don't really have a public media there. What you have is educational and state 
channels which are mainly owned by sectors of the church and politicians. And these broadcasting policies have also been traditionally aligned with political interests and state control, which, as I said before. And this uh, debates on media reform and broadcasting, etc., reached their peak very much during the, the realization of a conference on the theme in 2009 called the Conficon Debates. Right? Many have seen this, and I talk about it in the book as well, as a revival of the whole debates in the 60s and 70s of UNESCO and that whole issue of um, putting this in a more international context, of creating a more just uh, global information order, wider uh, community channels, etc. And this Conficon debate, there were many proposals, 647 and so and forth. Okay, so this is just quickly, just for you to see some of uh, my put, after analyzing um, uh, the, the television program, some of the differences between private and public, and also some of the overlaps between both which I can come back um, afterwards. So the radio TV stations controlled by politicians. Okay, and going on then to the Conficon debates. So now I'm uh, finishing. How many more minutes? Ten? Five more minutes. Okay, so that's good. I'll finish with this. Yeah, we'll have to come back to this. You're going so fast. Mm -hmm. keep <laughs> <laughs> so basically what happened in the last Lula government in 2009, um, Franklin Machines was the Minister of Communication during that period collected these proposals and submitted them to this, the new government of Dilma to have a look and to discuss what is going to be actually done, right? So what basically one of the things that has been, uh, there's a lot of pressure on is about changing certain codes which date even before the dictatorship. Also creating a better division between broadcasting and telecommunications. You have telecommunications growing very much in Brazil as well. You have also what I said before about the TV and radio concessions, and also another important thing about creating an agency, somewhat off-com, we could compare it to, that can be a regulatory agency for communications. We already have one for telecommunications, but we don't have for communications. And one of the things that Dilma has said, for instance, is that they've looked at the proposals and they said, let's take anything that has to do with social control of the media, any more proposal that can be more radical and can be putting off people. Because basically, even Fernando Hickey has said, um, it is important to create mechanisms of regulation in the country. Okay, and going back to TV Global, sorry, TV Cultura and TV Brasil that I mentioned before. So as I said, TV Cultura and TV Brasil, and also TV Cultura with TV in Rio, they're considered the more, the better, if you wish, um, public, okay? Again, because it's not public, it's actually a state channel controlled, um, aligned first with the government of Sao Paulo, in the case of TV Cultura, which is somewhat controlled by the PSDB, and TV Brasil is linked to the federal administration. PSDB being the opposite, opposition for for the, for yeah, Lula yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I, I, I mentioned that briefly when I talked about Lula and, and Cardozo. Cardozo, the, the first politician before Lula, is from the Peste Bear. Okay, so basically then what you have is that, uh, and this is now being discussed in the Chamber of, of Deputies, is to create mechanisms also of how to fund these public communications because they basically are controlled by the state, they have funding of, 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 of the state. And so, 
Um, TV Brasil, for instance, when it emerged, it was accused of being TV Lula, etc. And then Alberto Gini said, but wait a minute, you know, TV Cultura is there for so long, no one says it's TV Fernando Henrique, etc. and stuff, right? So, and actually, both of them have quite good programs. I mean, TV Cultura is respected in many ways. But this is another problem. Um, that Brazil is going to have to, ch to, to, to tackle is that their public media is seen as the opposite of TV Global and the commercial television. They think that it needs to be boring, that it needs to be heavy uh, uh, programming, etc. Many people still are not switching off TV Global to go to TV Cultura. And the challenge of widening access and participation is another key to Sorry, just to, just to have, yeah? What sort of audiences would these state run? channels get compared to TV Global, just to give an idea. Oh, I said, I said in the beginning about the survey that basically 1 to 2% of the students watched TV Cultura, TV Brasil. This is more or less the, the percentage of, uh, of, of the audiences of um, uh, either one. Right? So you're talking about a huge, just so people know, a huge difference. TV Global will get 70% of the audience. Yeah, yeah. And the state funding will get 1 to 2%. Yes, okay. exactly. It's so over a time, it's even more. Yeah, yeah. So opera um, at, at peak time, which is where I looked mostly, it's like nearly 90% of the country are tuned in on the global. That is, you know, serious business. So, and this is one of the things that I discussed with all the journalists. And um, let me just go to the one here, for instance, that has talked about it. He was the vice director of journalism of TV Cultura, Gabriel Pioli. Both him and Antonio Brazil, which is a correspondent of TV Global, I also interviewed here in London, have argued how this debate on the public media is somewhat hypocritical and complicated because it's saying, look, the whole mentality of the country has been, as I said in the beginning, a tradition of heavy entertainment. So this, it's, it's about even changing people's mentalities and the ways that they look at the public media. And in the sense, Gabriel Piori criticized um, the ways in which TV Global, TV Cultura, sorry, is not seen as a real public media. Um, the people that control it see it, oh, you know, we're not really going to invest in it because TV Global does the business. So there's also still that mentality of not taking it seriously and not seeing that actually quality uh, a drama, quality information can be very entertaining. And I discussed this in the book. You see how the BBC, how has it gotten very successful? Not because it's boring, but because it basically has put out uh, Jane Austen, uh, Charles Dickens, all these quality um, uh, literature, English literature, has been transformed into exciting productions to a wide audience. And this, at the moment, who does this is TV Global in the mini-series at 12 o'clock at night, etc. So one of the things that um, Eugenie Bussi highlights, that this is the challenge of making it less elitist, perhaps the word that I'm trying to get here, is that it should actually do what the commercial media can't do and will not do. That it should be challenging, that it should offer, and it's some. It's already doing a bit of that. TV Brazil has a soap opera about the Northeast. You know, they're doing programs on cooking programs about things and and dance, etc. So if you look at the, you see a whole range of uh, programs representing the diversity of Brazil on TV Brazil. So it is getting more exciting to a certain extent, right? So here he talks about the average, the mentality, the thing that said mentality regards to the public media, and the mentality of 
politicians as well, which is somewhat backward, that they think that they have the right to have some of this. And, I'm, and I've just mentioned the better ones here, TV Cultura and uh, TV Brazil, but we have a lot of small little televisions and radios throughout the country that, you know, no one knows what's happening there. These you know, politicians use them for votes and etc. Okay, so another... Just to yeah. wrap it up, Perry. Yeah, and to wrap it up. And so one of the things um, about um, open television not offering competition, so this is another thing that's included in the challenges and the proposals that are put now to consultation for the public. What I said before about um, the conflict on debates, right? What um, is happening now is that the government has put this into public consultation for people to discuss what is going to be done. And one of the things is about, yes, uh, uh, stimulating diversity in the market, giving more public channels to people, uh, and also tackling these main points. Some of the things I said before, some of the things I can't say now, I would have time. Okay, so yeah, and the recognition that the communication sector is important and that um, it has a role to play in, in, in national development. And so other things here in terms of, for instance, what I said before already, broadcasting with telecommunications. I said before also an important thing is how, um, as many academics have argued, like Lula, um, the government of Lula has assumed a compromise with communication welfare, but has still been, to some people think it's timid, some people think it's not. The market sectors think that, oh, they want to censor, etc. So there is those tensions now that still exist. And that it hasn't advanced as much as other countries in Latin America. And some people think that um, Dilma will not be able to do much, that you know the pressures are going to be strong. So um, this remains to be seen, What um, uh, some of the things that, 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 that will be done, OK? So yeah, so these are some of the challenges, what I said before, the reluctance of the market, regulation of censorship, the ways in which that still these models are being studied and have just been open to consultation. And recently, this was like one month ago, the Chamber of Deputies has underlined the importance of the state in taking responsibility for policies for public communications, including forms of taxation, like um, taxing uh, uh, commercial stations to give funding for the public media. Okay. I'll just leave there in the conclusions then. Do, 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 okay, do, do. okay, so um, I'll conclude then, so if we have another one minute. So, um, the thing with the internet, I have not talked very much about, uh, about that here, but I do talk about it in a part of the book. What we have there, another importance, another issue that is linked to media democratization, is widening the access of the internet throughout the country, right? Digital access. And beyond the middle classes, or you know, some of the, the popular classes as well. There is internet in, um, in favelas and other places, so mind you. But basically, beyond uh, uh, the 30% that now um, uh, exists. Another support for community radio. Community radio is very much a, a political issue there as well. Okay, uh, funding for segmented media outlets and magazines has already occurred since the former Lula government. Um, and the whole thing's what I said before, just to summarize. So the necessity also that even UNESCO um, and other international agencies have pressured Brazil to do, and I discussed this with other Latin American countries in the case of Brazil, to create a broadcasting regulatory framework that's committed to the public interest, right? And these, some of the things that I, um, I mentioned that is also important, the whole issue of balance and professionalism in newsrooms. 
And so, you know, you're trying to build, this goes hand in hand with a public media and media regulation, etc. So all of these are tied together in the whole project of media democratization. So yeah, fortifying the public media uh, platform, the whole engagement with the debate over what is quality, which I raised here and I discussed in detail there in part three of the book and uh, with audiences and uh, journalists, etc. Quality to whom is this elitist? How do we make it, uh, 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 public media less boring, etc. A strengthening of regional, local, and alternative media. So that is another thing that um, the fortification of the public media in Brazil is seen as important to represent the diversity of the country, as I said before. So in the sense also, with controlling better the concessions of radio and TV throughout the country, you are strengthening regional, local media, right? And the wider access of, this is something very important, which I discuss a lot in the book, basically the role of communication with basically citizenship rights, the rights of all citizens in Brazil and Latin America to have quality information and debate, to participate in the issues of the day as more equal citizens as the, some of the middle classes who have more privilege over this. So everyone needs to have access to this quality information. Everyone needs to know what's happening in the country, discuss the political issues in the country, gender equality, etc., etc. Not just the elites, right? So this is another thing that is widely discussed. Okay. Well, thank you very, very much indeed.